Yeah. He's a way maker, right? Amen. Touching every life. As I was sitting there, with that, I said, God, that's exactly what you're doing. You're touching every life and giving every person in this room the opportunity to say yes. Touching every life, giving every person the opportunity to say yes. And lately, God has been calling us. And so we believe it is go time. Is that right, church? It's it's go time for, for some of us who watch basketball. It's game time. It's, it's game on. It's time for us to say yes. So once you say yes, you need to be prepared for this. You need to be prepared for a battle. You realize that, right? When you say yes, you have to be prepared for, for a battle. And so today I want to, to prepare you with a battle plan for the person who says yes. Yes, Lord, I will go. Yes, Lord, I will follow you. Yes, Lord, I will be obedient. I have three battles I want to show you in the book of Exodus. I'd like for you to turn to chapter 13. But I'll tell you that the enemy will try to get you before you even say yes. So I want to talk about that for a moment, okay? Before you even say yes, because some of you may be wrestling with your yes. You may be struggling to say, yes, I will step out, God, and I will follow you, and I will do what you say, do. You're struggling. Because here's what generally happens. Kevin comes along and starts preaching the message, and you get a little bit excited. And you're thinking, it's go time. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm getting pumped up. I'm, I'm feeling this thing. Moses went to Israel, and he said, God has heard your cry. And he's going to deliver you out of the hands of the Egyptians. And they said, yes, let's go. And about that same time, Pharaoh came to them and said, you know what? I'm going to double the amount of bricks you have to make. And I'm not providing hay. I'm coming down heavy on you. And the Egyptians looked at Moses and said, you know what? God ought to judge you because you have messed us up. You stirred our hearts and now Pharaoh has come down on us. And look, it's worse than we ever thought. We ain't coming out of Egypt. In fact, our situation is worse than it started. Can I tell you that when you want to start following God, the enemy knows that's the best time to get you. That's why you're feeling what you're feeling. It's not uncommon. Don't think that what's happening to you is strange or foreign or that no one's ever had to go through that. Almost every person who has said yes has faced a battle. The first battle was this. Will I even go? Will I even say yes? Because some storms of life will happen. And they'll happen right about that time. I used to be fearful of testimonies. And I didn't want people to give them. Because it seemed like as soon as people gave a testimony of what God would do. The enemy would step in right behind them. And I'd never see them again. And I'm like, Lord, I'm going to quit doing testimonies because I keep losing people. But you know what? At some point, we have to stand with our testimony in defiance of the enemy. And say, you're not going to move me. You're not going to make me afraid. And I refuse to stay in bondage. Yeah, somebody ought to say that today. I refuse to stay in bondage. Yeah. So then you make your yes. And you head out. And all of a sudden, the Philistines come up in there in front of you. Watch what happens. Chapter 13, verse 17 of Exodus. It says, Now, when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. 
For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence, God let the people around. Say, God led the people around. Look at that verse. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Now, here's this interesting picture. Thousands upon thousands of hundreds of thousands, an entire nation is leaving the country of Egypt, the nation of Egypt, and they look like an army. They're in a battle array. They look like an army advancing. This ain't no army. This is a group of bond servants. They've never fought in their entire life. The only reason they're in battle array is because Moses was trained under Pharaoh and knows what it's supposed to look like. But this is no army. They can't fight. They don't even know how. But God says, I cannot put them face to face with the Philistines. Because the Philistines ain't no joke, y'all. They're real. That's a real army. They know what they're doing. They will kill you. God says, I can't send them through, even though that's the straightest route. I can't send them the straightest route because the Philistines are right there. And if they have to fight the Philistines, they're one, they're not prepared for the fight. And two, they'll lose faith. And the whole assignment will be off. I'm going to take them around the battle they can't fight. Can I tell you that God will always take you around the battle you're not prepared to fight? I'll make that as a promise to you. He will always, you're like, now hold on, wait to the end of the message. Don't get jumpy. I'll go ahead and say this though. God will always take you around the battle you can't fight, the one you're not prepared to fight. Now for some of you, you're excited about that because you don't like confrontation anyway. Anybody in the room? I'll go and raise my hand. I love to avoid a good fight. God made, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Some of you are like, I don't mind going around it. That's perfectly good. It is perfectly good when you don't have to fight the Philistines. But here's the only thing to keep in mind. The Philistines aren't dead. They're not defeated. You've just been given time to go around them. But they're still there. You will have to face them. Okay? Can I tell you, every battle you've been running from, you will have to face. You have not been alleviated of the battle. You have just been given time to get ready. Huh. So you go around, and you're excited about going around until what you know to be an 11-day journey starts taking 40 years. Now, you know, Lee's our homebound teacher and our math guy. Lee, I don't know much about math. I count one, two, three, many. But I remember in a class that my teacher told me, I believe it was geometry, she said that the straightest distance between two points is a straight line. See, I remember something. Straightest distance between two points is a straight line. The straightest distance between Egypt and the promised land would have been a straight line. And that's cool. You don't mind not going in a straight line and avoiding the battle until 11 days, which it should have took, taken. Takes three months, three years, 30 years, 40 years. And you start thinking, oh my goodness, 
what in the world is God up to? What is he doing? And you get discouraged and you feel defeated and you're, you're wondering why you can't step into this thing. You've been given a promise. You wrote it on a cardboard at church. But you can't walk in it. Why? Why can't you, why can't you go in a, in a straight line? Are you listening? The reason you can't go in a straight line is because you cannot go straight into the promised land, sometimes into Israel, because you're not ready. If we were going to be completely honest, you're not ready for the promised land today. You're not ready for the promised land today. If God was to put you in the promised land today, you couldn't handle it. That's a tough word, but I want you to think on it. Because if you're going into the promised land where the promises of God are, one of the hardest things to steward in life is not the problems of God, but it's the success of God. It's harder to steward success than failure. It doesn't require any of you to fail, but to steward success, that'll cost you something. And so what God knows is that when he takes you the long way, 40 years, I'm 43 years old. I'm like, Lord, 40 years in the desert starts sounding a lot like life. Maybe there's a life lesson in there. Maybe the lesson is this. Before you get to the promise, which I assure you I will take you into, I need to develop your character. Oh, we don't like talking about character anymore, do we? We don't want to talk about care. But do you realize that most of the time you can't walk into the promised land today because your character won't hold up? And God loves you too much to see your character destroyed. So he says, I'm going to take you the desert route so that I can teach you some things, develop your character, so that now when you walk into success, you can handle it and it won't destroy you. Somebody needs to remember that. The other thing is this, you don't have the experience today for the promised land. You haven't been through enough things, haven't seen enough things. Young people, I know it's hard, but you're thinking, I can do this now. Yeah, there's things you don't know that you don't know you don't know. <laughs> Anybody ever figure that out? Yeah, there was a time you thought you knew everything. And you did. You did. You knew everything you knew to know. What you didn't know is there was so much you didn't know. <laughs> and God said, there's so much you don't know. But I'll take you into the wilderness and I'll teach you there. And then you'll have all the experiences you need when you finally get to the promised land. And now here's another one. You don't, go, you don't know God well enough. That might be the most important one. Is that you want the promise of God, but you don't know God. You want the promise, but you don't know the one that made the promise. You only know him in like two or three ways. And God says, you got to know me a lot better than that. You need to know me in countless ways because you're going to face countless obstacles. And so I'm going to take you out into the, the wilderness. And there I'm going to introduce myself to you. He took him out in the desert and he started introducing himself, naming himself. He said, I am Jehovah. I am your provider. I'm your banner. He started telling them who he was. They started believing him for who he was. So that when they got to the promised land, they would actually know the God of the promise. 
Hmm. I will say this. If I was to take the church today where I believe God wants us to go, if I had had to do that 18 years ago when I started in ministry, mm, boy, I would have been dangerous for y'all. I would have been dangerous. I would have hurt you. You know, I still might. It, it won't be my intentions, right? Never be my intentions. But just my, my inexperience. The fact that I didn't know God then like I know Him now. You know, the, the, the fact that I've had time to, to let my character develop. I've had some people say some things. <laughs> had some people do some things. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so I want you to know that you can't always walk into your promise today because God loves you enough that he says you're not ready, but I'll get you ready. If you won't give up in the desert, I'll get you ready. And I'll get you to the promised land. One last point before I move on to the next battle. You will find that you will learn more from the Philistines than you'll learn from your friends. You'll learn more from your enemies than you'll ever learn from your friends. You ever had that person, if you say yes, they say no. If you say up, they say down. If you say white, they say black. It's like, really, God, are they just here to torment me? It's like, why? Why do you keep these Philistines in front of me? You got an idea, and they can immediately tell you why it won't work. You ever had some? Yeah, you've had, I have too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of the rest of y'all probably get one eventually, you know. A Philistine. And they come against you right when you got something that you want to do. You're excited about it, and you tell them, and Lord, if they don't put some water on your fire. And you leave out of there, and you know, I don't know what I was thinking. That was stupid of me. I should have known better. Can I tell you that God often will allow the Philistines to remain in your life to keep you honest? To keep you seeking Him. So you don't get so cocky that you just run off and do your own thing without checking in on God. You see, the enemy, when they tell you you can't do it, you'll have to run back to God and say, God, they said I can't do it. You said I could do it, right? Okay, you said I can do it. All right. You know, they'll tell you no, and you're like, but God, I know God said yes. God, you did say yes, right? They'll keep you on your knees. They'll keep you humble. You know they're coming after you, right? It's like their assignment in life is to make sure you fail. Why are they here? God said, I'll use that enemy, that Philistine, so that when you have the opportunity to do something that I don't want you to do, they'll check you up. They'll check you right there. And you'll come to me and you'll ask and I can turn you. He said, I'll use your enemies for your favor. Let me tell you, you will learn more from your enemies than you will learn from your friends. There are some people I almost want to go back to them and shake their hand and say, man, I appreciate you. You were the best thing that ever happened to me. But I wouldn't want to explain why. <laughs> so just look at your enemy when they pass by. Look at the Philistine and just say, that guy's taking me around. But he's using you to keep me honest. You ready for the second battle? So the second battle is over in chapter 14. 
And this is, they've gone around the Philistines. They're at the Red Sea. But you can't cross the Red Sea. This thing's massive. They turn around and look. And the enemy is behind him. Pharaoh has decided that he's not letting them go. He's coming after him, and he's going to kill them. So they've got a, a sea in front of them that they can't cross. They've got an enemy behind them that they still can't defeat. This enemy is still overwhelming. And they're caught in the middle. Oh, anybody ever been caught in the middle? Anybody ever been hemmed in by your enemies? You're like, God, I am trapped. I, I, I can't go any further. And I got an enemy behind me. And you know what's worse? It says in verse 19 that it was the angel of God who had been going before them, before the camp of Israel, and that he had moved in, I'll, I'll say that part, and that there was a pillow of God that moved before him. The worst part of this is that the angel of the Lord and the presence of the Lord is the one that took them there. My mom. Yeah, teach on that. <laughs> That's good, Kevin. He's the one that led them there. Have any of you ever been led by God to the place where you thought, yep, surely I'm going to be destroyed now? <laughs> yep, this is it. God, you took me right up to death. In fact, they said, were there no graves in Egypt? Isn't that funny? Y'all didn't laugh. I find that hilarious. <laughs> they said, Moses, you took us out here into the desert to kill us. We could have died back there. God took them to the Red Sea. And the enemy is behind them. And then God tells Moses, he says, tell the people that the angel that led you into this calamity, into this situation, this angel and this cloud of my glory is going to go behind you and is going to get between you and your enemy. Yeah, now that's good, but you ain't heard the, re you ain't heard the rest of it. Hold on. Don't get cocky. We're, we're glad when he says, I'm going behind you, and I'm going to put myself in between you and the enemy. He says, now tell them to walk through the Red Sea. People don't walk through rivers, seas. You see what just happened? We all want to be led by signs and wonders of God, right? But there are times where God says, I can't lead you by a miraculous sign today. I've got to lead you by the sound of my voice. <laughs> Today, you're getting an upgrade. Because anybody can follow a sign. But only sons and daughters can follow my voice. Yeah. And just so you can follow my voice, I'm going to get behind you. Take care of your enemy. And so they begin to pass through. And Moses said, look at what he says. Let's read verse 13 and 14. But Moses said to the people, do not fear, stand by. Say, stand by. Stand by. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. I like that. He didn't just say you'll never see them again. He said, you don't believe me. He said, you'll never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Say, the Lord will fight for me. Yeah. The rest of it was keep silent. 
keep silent. Can I tell you that when the enemy is right on your heels, and when the river that you can't cross is right in front of you, when the storms are life, when they're raging, it is when we become the most prayerful people in all the world. You ever notice that? I mean, we ain't talked to God in days, months. But we in trouble, and all of a sudden, boy, we get talkative. We start talking all, we start praying, we start telling God about the enemy like he doesn't know. (laughs) We start telling him how deep the water is in the Red Sea. He's like, I know, I made it. We start telling God, there is nobody ever crossed this thing. He said, "I, I, I know, I know. Can I give you one thing that I believe God wants to speak into our hearts today? When you are at a place where the battle is raging the most fierce, you should be the most quiet. I mean, when all hell is breaking loose, the temptation is to describe the problem to God like He doesn't know. He knows. Be quiet. Because I will tell you, when you're in that situation, more than ever, you have got to be tuned into the voice of God. You've got to be tuned into the voice of God. And if you're talking too much, you're not listening enough. And you will have talked over the voice of God. And you can't figure out why you got defeated. God, why? Why didn't it work out? He said, "Mm, man, I was trying to tell you. But you weren't listening. Because you were describing an enemy that I already knew. And a river that I already made. So I'll tell you that God is saying to us, keep silent in those moments. Tell God what you need. Tell him one time. And then say, God, what am I supposed to do? And then get quiet and listen. And it doesn't matter. But you say, but I've been listening a long time. Well, keep listening. Because we don't need more of us talking. We need more of him talking. So keep listening. Keep silent. The Lord will fight for you. And then what happens? This is an amazing thing here. It, it's just like God. He leads them to a river they can't cross with an enemy that they cannot defeat. And they look at this river and he says, cross it. And they say, nobody's ever done that before. Do you realize that a lot of times God will lead you to something that you think is going to destroy you, and it's actually made to destroy your enemy. Can I just tell you, that's how God works. See, people don't know God works like that. They always think God's trying to destroy them. God's never been against you. I want to tell you that. Despite what you've heard, God has never been against you. Now, he's been against your foolishness. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you thought that that he was against you. Nah, just the stupid stuff we were doing. That's what he was against. But he's always been for you. He's never been against you. So when you face that river and you go, I'm surrounded. God says, no, I've got your enemy right where I want him. That thing that they thought was going to surround them was made to surround their enemy. I need you to look again at your problems. And see if the thing you're trying to run from... It's the thing that God is going to use to defeat your enemy so that they will be gone forever. How does it say it? You will never see them again forever. (laughs) He wants your enemies 
for you to never see them again forever. But you got to trust him to lead you into something that looks like it's about to destroy you. And then he makes a way where there's never been a way. Nobody would ever crossed a river like that before. One of the greatest dangers of Christians is that they think God can only do what they've seen him do before. Yeah, let me say that one again. One of the greatest dangers of the Christian life is to think that God can only do what you've seen him do before. And what God is telling you in these moments is, I've got something you've never seen before. <laughs> I've got a solution you've never, you've never heard of before. And that's why you have to be still and you have to be quiet. It's because this thing that is going to save you, you ain't never seen God do it like that before. You'll hear people all the time, when God does something in church, you'll hear somebody, they'll stand up and they'll say, well, God ain't ever done it like that before. He ain't ever done it like that before. I know he's never done it that way before, but let's just give him a chance, right? Let's just be a people. Let's just be a people that doesn't limit God to what he's done before. That gives him the freedom to do something new. I believe God sometimes says, I'm so creative, but people won't let me be creative. They only want solutions I've seen before. I'm bored. Look at nature. Look at the diversity in nature. God has countless ways to solve your problems. Allow him to do something that he's never done before. Final battle. Are you ready for it? It's in chapter 17. In this battle, they fight. They're called the Amalekites. Now watch what happens. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us to go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow, I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him. And he fought against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Ur went up on top of the hill. And so it came about when Moses held his hands up that Israel prevailed. But when he got tired and he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were, were heavy. And then they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steadily until the sun set. And so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar. And he named it, the Lord is my banner. Huh. Where is Jesus in this story? Jesus is in every Old Testament story, if you just know where to look. Every story is whispering about Jesus. Every story in the Old Testament. Some of you have given up on the Old Testament because you, you don't know how to read it. If you read it looking for Jesus, you'll be amazed. Where is Jesus in the story? Moses stands and when his arms are outstretched on, with the... <laughs> when Moses is outstretched with his arms wide open, Israel prevails. No outstretched arms, no prevailing. But his arms get tired. 
So two men come and stand on either side. Remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross? There's two men, one on either side. (laughs) Do you realize that your battle is no longer against flesh and blood? You see, you aren't going to go out today and try to find a human to destroy. No person is your enemy. That person that doesn't like you, that's not your enemy. That person that doesn't have the same color of skin as you, that's not your enemy. That person that doesn't vote the same way you vote when you get in the ballot box, not your enemy. That person that lives across the sea from us, not your enemy. Your enemy is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. Your battle is against Satan. But I got good news for you. You see, Moses had to stand and Joshua had to fight. And if Moses couldn't stand or sit and hold his arms out, then the people were defeated. Can I tell you that Jesus has already stretched out his arms? He has already finished his work. And I got a little secret that not everybody knows, but I'm going to share it with you. But it's because I love you. Satan's been defeated. Hey, y'all in the back, Satan's been defeated. Hey, over here, Satan's been defeated. Yeah, yeah, when Jesus finished it on the cross, he finished your enemy. Your enemy is defeated. That's why it prophesied in Psalms by David. He said, sit with me and I will make your enemies your footstool. Yeah, that's what God's doing. God is doing that for Jesus, and Jesus is doing that for you. So something I have said before that I will say again, you don't have to fight for victory. You're fighting from victory. That'll change your entire life. You go out every day trying to fight and try to win, you're going to get beat up. But you go out every day realizing that the battle is won, that sin has been defeated in you, that the enemy has been defeated, that he is not... He is not greater than God. As much as people want you to think he is, as much as he wants you to think that he is, he is not greater than God. He is a defeated foe. God, Jesus' arms have been stretched out. But you know where he is now? He's seated. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Making his enemies his footstools. We fight from victory. But we will have to fight. And now the battle is almost always inside. You ever get to that place where you finally realize that the greatest battle is inside of you? It's in your head and it's in your heart. It's not other people. It's not what they're saying and what they're doing and how they're acting. That's not the battle. The battle's in you. When you're at peace, nobody can shake you. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. When joy's inside of you, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah, the only time we get knocked off is when we don't realize who we are in Christ. Yeah. So oddly enough, God tells Moses, he says, Moses, you need to write that down. You need to write that down. Because if you don't write it down, somebody's going to forget. So guess what I did to you today? You didn't even know it. I spoke what Moses wrote down. So it could encourage you. So that you could be a Joshua. So that your heart wouldn't melt. 
when the enemy comes, you'd be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. I wrote it, they wrote it down, and I read it so that you could be strengthened today. What, what did he say? He said, he said, write it in the book as a, as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, and I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. The Lord is my banner. See, you got to go to your family and you got to tell them that Jesus stretched out his arm, defeated your enemies, that he's putting them at your feet. You got to tell your people that God has a battle plan, that when you're not able, he won't make you fight. He'll send you around. That if you have to fight, oftentimes he'll tell you, just stand still. I, I got this. Just watch. But then you will come to a place in your life where you are strong. Yeah, you're stronger than you think you are. The struggles, the trials, the experiences. You're stronger than you think you are. You're more ready than you think you are. You're, God always sees your readiness faster than you do. And he says, this time I want you to go and fight. And you go, God, I'm not ready. And God says, remember, I don't ever send you into a battle that you can't win. If you couldn't have fought it, I wouldn't have told you to go. I would have sent you around it. Or I would have fought it for you. But today, I'm going to be glorified because I'm going to watch you do the work through my power. And can I tell you, that's what being a son and a daughter and a child of God is all about. Yeah, that's what it's all about. When you go out into the world and you say, you know what, there are some things and I'm not subcontracting them to anybody else. I know that when God is with me, I got more than enough. I got more than enough and I will, and I will fight, but I will fight from victory, not for victory. And then I will tell the stories. Yeah, you need to tell the stories. You need to tell the stories of what God is doing. You need to let people know when you get a win in life. And you're like, I just don't want people to think that I'm like bragging. Listen, we know it wasn't you. <laughs> let me just go and break that off for you, okay? Yeah, yeah. We know where the power came from. All right? And when you let them know where the power comes from, it's good. Brag all you want. Jesus said, and Paul said, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in the Lord. Amen. Yeah? Amen. Yeah, this whole thing of you shouldn't talk about what God is doing. You know who told that lie? The enemy. Because he said, Lord knows if Joshua ever is reminded of what I'll do, Joshua will go and fight. Do you realize that some of your family members, the only reason they're not fighting is because they ain't heard the story? Yeah. The only reason we have some kids that won't grow up as fights because we ain't telling them the stories. We, we think we're protecting them. We think we're hiding them. You don't have to tell them everything, but you should tell them about the God part. You should tell them about the God part. And strengthen us in the Lord. Because God has three strategies. Let's end with this. If you can't fight it, He'll take you around it. If you can't fight it, He'll fight for you. But when you're ready to fight, and most of the time you won't realize that you are, God says, now you go. You go in my power, and you'll win. So that addiction, you're going to win. That sin, you're going to win. Yeah.
that thing that always causes you not to move when you want to move, God's going to destroy it. Yeah. That thing you thought you'd never get rid of, you're just going to have to hide it and hope no one saw it. You're going to win. You're going to win. Because that's how God fights. God never fights to lose. He always fights to win.